When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, friends. It is yet another season of Trashy Divorces. Season seven. Thanks for coming back for another week of Trashy Divorces. We're excited to be back. My name is Stacy. I'm Alicia. And this season, y'all, we're so excited. It is your lucky season seven, all listener requests. We've eliminated the tyranny of the mugs this season. Tyranny and we're the just mugs. Smash. Drawing Not really, because we got them from a listener. And, no, yeah. we would never smash them. Um, no. Now we're just using them to drink coffee. But... This season, all listener requests. So we've gone through and searched within our Facebook group and looked at our emails and put together. Y'all, I'm feeling really good about this decision to roll with letting listeners choose our lineup, Stacey, because yeah. I had no idea about the buckets of trash candy involved. <laughs> Who did you have this week? I covered the uh, the railroading trashy divorce of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid from uh, 2000-ish. It's a it's a cautionary tale, isn't it? That's uh the press just turned on her and so did the public. Two oh, cautionary tales this week. True story. Believe it or not. True story. Who do you have? The very often requested trashy divorce of Sir Paul McCartney. Yup. And his second wife, Heather Mills. Yup. Yeah. Yeah, we had held off on doing that, but I'm glad we did like I really just thought it was just gonna be a weepy story about how he missed Linda McCartney, but no, no, no. So much more. To- our listeners know. Woo. Our trash pandas have it. They do. Before we start our stories this week, <laughs> even though we took a break off last week from your Sunday episodes, Patreon had no break. Patreon never sleeps. <laughs> What's been happening over there? I did a whole episode, The Final Cusp Down, <laughs> about Zodiac Cusps. There was a fun one done on Roddy McDowell. Ooh, the Dirty Digs episode on Woo in the White House about first ladies and their spiritual practices and some ghosts too. Uh, I'm doing this Loose Women series about women who liberated themselves in unusual times. And uh, there was a 17th century French opera singer and swordswoman named La Mopane, who uh, just a fascinating story. Some of it's probably true. It's largely shrouded in legend at this point, but it's a fun story. And I oh, it was great. Her. Yeah. You also dropped some trashy poems. We did a Trashy Divorces open mic night. I did. It, it is my learned opinion that telling people that you have some poetry to offer them is not a great way to get them anywhere. <laughs> it worked for me. Hey, before... Magic Mirror. Magic Mirror, yeah. We get to welcome a whole bunch of new folks who joined us over the break. Who do we see in the Magic Mirror this week, Stacy? With tremendous gratitude... Thank you to Amanda R., Stephanie H., Janice, Amy, Tammy M., Joshua D., Jessica B., Aaron P., Molly H., Jennifer, Allie B., Mary K. B., Emma M., K. A., Bevan S., Natalie H., Lauren S., Caitlin T. S., Lauren L., Jamie S., Denise E., Angie, Marion, Trace A., Christine D., and Courtney. Thank you very much. Thanks, y'all. We also, in our magic mirror, 
Need to give a big shout out to two new members of the Trash Candy Connoisseur Club, Kimberly and Felicia. Thank you and welcome. And we also have some upgraded patrons to shout out for that level. Thank you for upgrading Faith T, Katie, KJA, Kimberly N, Megan C, Susan, Laura MS, Jessica, Heather, and Heather S. Two different Heathers. Two different Heathers, but thanks to both of you and all of you. Thank you to all of our supporting patrons. Team Trash Candy, you are just the best. We're so excited to be back. Thanks, Sunday listeners, for tuning in for a little bit of a distraction for another week. You ready to get started? Go, go, go. So, Stacy, you're going to tell me all about the trashy divorce of Betsy Stewart Andropolis today. Um, I, yeah, I believe that that's... Steve is a jerk. I have some real Gen X nostalgia for us all. Um, being Gen X, we're nostalgic. Uh, this story has been requested multiple times in our Facebook group by Noel, Sarah, and Robin. At least we may have missed a few, but... Wanted to shout them out. Uh, this is the nine-year-long marriage of actors Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, Ugh. who were staples of our childhood big screens and cable weekend movie watches. Such good movies. Meg Ryan, of course, was one of America's sweethearts, having starred in When Harry Met Sally. Was one of? Can't she still currently be? We'll let you decide. We'll let you decide. She can be whatever she wants. And then pairing with Tom Hanks in 90s rom-com hits like Sleepless in Seattle, and you've got Mail. Notably, many of her biggest roles were in films written or co-written by the rom-com queen herself, the the late great Nora Ephron, who's split from the very trashy Carl Bernstein we covered back in season two, episode three. It all connects the spider web of trash candy. I still, I will never not... I don't know, love and also be infuriated by the fact that Nora Ephron literally told anyone who would listen for decades the <laughs> deep identity throat was. of Deep Throat, <laughs> yeah. and everybody just ran around the whole time like, ooh, what a fun Whatever. mystery. <laughs> who can know, really? <laughs> okay. Dennis Quaid. He has that easy grin and that affable affect that lets him slide into a ton of roles over the decades. He was born in Houston, Texas on April 9th, 1954. Oh, Aries. Making him an Aries. Yeah. And just so you know, Meg Ryan is a Scorpio. Oh, my. And he was likely infected with the acting bug by his big brother, Randy Quaid, also a famous actor. Randy's four years older, and he fell under the spell of the theater in high school. And then when he was a student at the University of Houston, uh, Randy was cast in Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So Dennis would follow in his brother's path, more or less. Like, he get, he got to the University of Houston, but he was just like, eh, college, whatever. And he heads off to L.A. He didn't graduate. It's fine. Worked Tale out. Hail as old as time. Gotta get the hell on with my future. So he had some lean years that I think we would generally describe as the mid and late 70s. But around 1980, he started getting some traction in some stuff. Okay. 1983, he landed a breakthrough role as astronaut Gordon Cooper in The Right Stuff. And so this was a movie. It did poorly at the box office, but it won a bunch of Academy Awards. And since I was living in Rocket City, USA, the child of an actual rocket scientist. Right. Right. 
I saw the right stuff a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot. So, I feel it's like no one else saw it, but I, I always have really liked it. So. I preferred Space Camp. Space Camp was another... However... Saw that a lot, too. Continue on. All right, so Dennis had been married and divorced one time by this point to actress PJ Souls. They were married from 78 to 83, and when they split, PJ immediately married one of the stunt pilots from The Right Stuff. Oh, my. And had a baby with him, also in 1983. Holy cats. I think maybe Dennis was not really the larger issue in the breakup there. Interesting speculation. Just, you know, no judgment, just noting. The 80s were a good time for his career. He dipped into sci-fi films like Dreamscape, Enemy Mine, and Inner Space, and as a big nerd, I saw all of those. And he closed out the decade with his biggest role yet, playing Jerry Lee Lewis in 1989's Great Balls of Fire, right? Yep. All coming back to me now. So, you know, by this point, obviously, he's a bankable movie star. He is generally well-liked. He's just, you know... Up and coming Hollywood. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, Dennis Quaid. So we're going to park him here at Trashy Divorces Depot. We're going to hop tracks and meet his future ex-wife. Scorpio Meg Ryan was born November 19th, 1961 in Fairfield, Connecticut. Her given name is Margaret Mary Emily Hyra. And with all that, you'll be surprised to learn that she was raised Catholic. <laughs> yeah, she was one of four kids. Her brother Andrew is a musician who was half of Billy Pilgrim with Atlanta and Christian Bush back before no. Sugarland was a thing. Yep, tiny world. Yep. I had no idea. Yeah, and as Atlantans, I mean, like Jennifer Nettles used to play all, like, whatever. Like, oh, anyway, I'm... I was like, wait, really? Anyway, Meg Ryan's brother, Atlanta music guy. Okay. While Meg was in college, she did some TV commercials to earn money, and after transferring to NYU, she landed a role on As the World Turns... Betsy Stewart. ...for some pocket money. Oh, well, that was... <laughs> she was great. Her pockets bulged. Yeah, she yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, so she dropped out of college a semester before graduating, and she joined SAG under her grandmother's maiden name of Ryan, eliminating oh, all of the okay. 17 Catholic girls' names. <laughs> <laughs> So aside from As the World Turns, uh, the early and mid-80s included parts on Charles in Charge. Oh, yeah. The John Candy film Armed and Dangerous. Oh, my. And I think I actually saw that in theaters. I think I remember going with friends. And in 1986, she had a small role in the 80s super hit Top Gun. Which... She was Goose's uh, wife. She was amazing. I don't actually remember her. I haven't oh, seen Top I t- Gun well, since. Well, because we watched As the World Turns. Like, we were an As the World Turns oh, yeah. family. So, seeing her there was like, well, of course, there's Betsy Stewart Andropolis in Top Gun, Married to Goose. In 1987, she met Dennis Quaid on the set of Inner Space. It wasn't apparently love at first sight, but it was a good getting to know you thing. It was the following year, co-starring in the film DOA, that the relationship turned romantic. Ah. Imagine... Being an up-and-coming actress, falling in love with an up-and-coming actor the year before he would release Great Balls of Fire and you would release When Harry Met Sally. Imagine. Stars on the rise. The courtship must have been just a day-to-day intoxication. Like, can you imagine? No. Oh, just, like, like, on the cusp. And then it lands for both of you at the same time. It's remarkable. So... Love, money, fame, success, and just being beloved figures in the public mind. 
They seemed like the perfect couple. They were young, hip, fashionable, and they had those easy, like, folks-next-door smiles that made Hollywood seem like it wasn't an enclave of the pampered, genetically superior mutant rich. (laughs) So they walked down the aisle on Valentine's Day 1991. The world rejoiced. Fantastic. And Meg gave birth to their son, Jack, in April 1992. And Jack is an actor these days, Jack Quaid. But a funny thing happened along the way in their wedded bliss. Her career and fame continued climbing while Dennis faced a series of setbacks. For instance, while preparing for the role of Doc Holliday in 1994's Wyatt Earp, he was required to drop 40 pounds. Let it be known that Dennis Quaid was likely at a perfectly healthy weight to start with, and that he is almost unrecognizably gaunt in the film. Oh no. And that in this process, he developed anorexia nervosa significant (sighs) enough to require treatment for it. Oh no. So in the press, though, he would later kind of charmingly refer to this as manorexia, which might be like a helpful designation in encouraging men with eating disorders to recognize them as such and get help if they need it. Because we always think of eating disorders as as a, like, a woman thing. Definitely not. Anyway. There was also a bit of a cocaine addiction, although his stint in rehab for that happened while they were engaged, so I'm not sure if that was a live issue in their marriage, but here's what was. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So Dennis Quaid was at the peak of his fame and success in 1989, while Meg Ryan was one of the biggest stars of the 1990s. Yeah. So in 2018, Dennis sat down with Megyn Kelly. Why? And he said, when we met, I was the big deal. And so then, like, within a few years, he said, we would go out on the streets of New York and it would be like, Meg, Meg. And I have to admit it, I actually did feel like I disappeared. I didn't think I was that small, but I was. It was a growth opportunity. I learned from that. Patriarchy is the problem. It's a problem. It's one of them. Okay, so Meg Ryan, on the other hand, had a few complaints of her own during the marriage. Oh, goody. <laughs> in 08, she told in style, Dennis was not faithful to me for a long time, and oh, that was very no. painful. I found out more about that once I was divorced. Oh, that's worse. That's worse. Yeah. Their split, which ended up being a white-hot tabloid topic for, like, close to a year, started in 2000. That year, Meg starred in the action thriller Proof of Life with Russell Crowe who at the time was one of Hollywood's hottest leading men. Who talk about setting the bar high for Ben Affleck and his looming skill. (laughs) Russell Crowe really brings a superior loom game uh, to the screen. He's like a loom master. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So as Meg and Dennis were announcing the end of their marriage, America's sweetheart was caught canoodling with her co-star. But were they canoodling before the... Did the canoodling lead to the breakup of the marriage or tough to tell? So that was how it was viewed. That is not how Meg Ryan sees it. I don't think that's how Dennis Quaid sees it either. Okay. Thank you. I don't know what Russell Crowe thinks because that guy's just too busy looming. Fighting with cops or alligators or something. I don't know. Mel Gibson. (laughs) Who knows? I would. That would be a fight I'd watch. (laughs) okay uh yeah the public was outraged you know meg ryan doesn't cheat it was this giant mess and one that i think left scars that really transformed the rest of her career 
I will let Meg describe things as she did in a 2000 W Magazine interview. Notably at this point, with an eight-year-old son, she was careful to describe Dennis as honorable and claim that he never cheated on her. First, she notes a realization she had in a London hotel lobby while doing press for Proof of Life with Russell Crowe. She kind of looks around and is like, so, because I guess like unpleasant tabloid, British tabloid reporters, looks around and is like, so this is what it feels like to be the Scarlet Woman. Oh. Yeah, this was like new for her. Like she was just beloved. She was just a sweet, like, yeah, like girl next door. So she says, my marriage and the dissolution of my marriage, it dissolved before it became sport for the press. The public and the press tuned in way after. Uh. She continued, neither of us, me nor Dennis, is cavalier about a breakup. The reasons we broke up have nothing to do with another person. My marriage was broken. Nobody else broke it up. That's true. I know it to be true. Dennis knows it to be true. What anybody else thinks, I have no control over. Yes, they got railroaded. Bigly, yeah. Uh, notably for Trashy Divorces listeners, though, she also mentioned, I don't know if this remains true, but, uh, you know, back in 2000, she mentioned that she's a big fan of celebrity gossip, and she follows that stuff really closely, but she said, quote, it is wild when it happens to you. Bless her heart. Like, yeah. that's... Yeah. Well, especially, like, if you're done, you've already processed it. You're signing the papers, tying this, you know, tying it up, and... Yeah. The press won't let you get away from... You can't go get a gallon of milk. Wow. So the press, which had always loved her, just suddenly turned on her viciously. So for a person in her position, she's globally famous. She's used to occupying a certain spot in her professional environment. This was probably really similar to like when a Twitter mob gets going after somebody on the platform makes some like mildly heretical tweet. Basically, you've got Meg Ryan, having been cheated on by a husband who is harboring some resentments about her success, moving on, perhaps too quickly, but whatever, with another famous person, and it just brought out a universe of meanness in a world that had previously felt only affection for her. Mm, Why you gotta be so mean? Fans apparently could not deal with repeated Tom Hanks' on-screen soulmate having a slightly messy personal situation playing out. The director of Proof of Life criticized the relationship and blamed the tabloid coverage of his co-stars for overshadowing the film's premiere and hurting it at the box office. Oh, God, y'all. Yeah, the movie more or less broke even, but it was certainly not, like, a smashing success. Russell Crowe, hearing about the director's remarks, and I think this happened after they'd broken up even... Russell Crowe goes, he said that? He's a fucking idiot. No, seriously. (laughs) What a knob. (laughs) Carrie Fisher, close friend of Meg Ryan, and, you know, well into her no fucks left to give gadfly period when she commented on this to People Magazine in 01. Bless her heart. He's a tough thing to resist. I was just glad I had a friend who got him. If I can't have him, I want to hear what he's like (laughs) at some point when she's willing to talk. (laughs) Okay. So 2001, uh, I think July of 01, the divorce between Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid was complete. And she and Russell Crowe had also split up. Okay. Apparently, Russell had been really ready for something very serious. And again... Like, she was in the middle of a divorce from a nine-year-long marriage. Not the time to get serious, yeah. Yeah, so she's grieving. She's beating herself up. She's trying to shield her young son from the worst of all of the press. Exactly. And Russell gives her a puppy. 
Dude, read the room. Read the room, Russell. Oh. <laughs> so he was creating some pressure, and she was in no place to deal with pressure from a dude. So she dumped him. The tabloids, of course, ran with the headline, Russell Crowe dumps Meg Ryan. <laughs> Poor Meg Ryan. Yeah, and Russell never really stepped up to correct them on that. And so I think that's been also a source of... It sounds like they've remained friends, but it's been a source of... Yeah. So this was just like all around a completely brutal time for her. And it shattered preconceptions that she had had about Hollywood fame, the press, her status, all of it. She kind of quit doing light comedy fare that had been the bread and butter of her career. And in 2003... She's got a harder edge now. Which no one will accept. Oh, no. <laughs> she stars with Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Jason Lee in a Jane Campion erotic thriller called In the Cut. I don't think I've seen this. But this film included an extended nude sex scene, which is apparently pretty graphic as well. And the world was absolutely unwilling to allow that from the woman who had portrayed Sally Albright, Annie Reed, and Kathleen Kelly in all those delightful Nora Ephron love stories. But, I mean, I think she took that role partly because by then she knew how ridiculously how ridiculously fragile that public persona really was like it couldn't withstand a divorce or a new boyfriend typecast me it was never real yeah i'll show you yeah so that's a scorpio never just an ordinary girl <laughs> nope she is not so notably dennis quaid and russell crowe have both worked steadily in the years since russell even has three academy awards to his name well, Dennis Quaid has credits on like 35 films since wow. 2000 compared to Meg's 12. No. Yup. Patriarchy rears its ugly head again. Yeah. Some of this is her choice. I think she felt really burned and she sort of walked away from Hollywood and put her energies into raising Jack and the daughter that she adopted in 2006, Daisy True. I don't Aww. know. Around 2010, she started seeing John Mellencamp. And what has really been like an on-again, off-again, sometimes engaged-again thing that I know lasted through 2018, and I'm seeing conflicting reports about whether they're dating currently or whether he's dating someone. Like, Google's not my friend on this topic, apparently. Meg's going to figure it out. I'm sure she will. Dennis married a real estate agent in 2004 and then had a long series of separations and reconciliations before they finally split in 2016. Mm. The divorce was finalized in 2018 with Kimberly Buffington Quaid walking away with a $2 million lump sum payment, plus 14000 a month in child support for their two kids born in 07. Not bad. She's expected to spend $7,000 a month on each child. I'd say that's pretty good for the kids. I mean... Okay, and then it was 2019, and news broke that 65-year-old Dennis Quaid had become engaged... Mm-mm. To 26-year-old no. Laura Savoy, a mere 39-year age difference. Wow. That the now-married couple insists, quote, really just doesn't come up. But not at all. Dude. Those years just fade away when you're in love. I don't know how to feel. Like, I don't want to judge, but also, like, that's ridiculous. I, love happens all the time. Sure it does. Get it while you can. Sure. Meg Ryan who freely rejects roles she doesn't want these days and has gotten into directing in recent years, told the New York Times last year that she, 
a friend and arguably a student of Nora Ephron, was writing a rom-com for working title films. Good for her! Mm-hmm. I know in Hollywood nothing is ever guaranteed, but I really feel like American cinema lost something essential when Nora Ephron died. And if Meg Ryan can bring some of, some of that magic back, I am 100% here for it. 100%. Best of luck on that, Meg. This is the story of how a famous, successful woman was savaged by her associations with a couple of famous men, and how it sent her career into the skids while they puttered on like nothing at all had happened. It's not a happy story, even if Meg has vociferously lived her life on her own terms. I hope maybe Meg Ryan will write that movie one day, too. I'm going to give this one 39 trash cans Okay. for the age difference between Dennis Quaid <gasps> and his new wife. Yep. Love it. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be covering Russell Crowe's 2018 divorce at some point, but that point is not today. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> and a happy Independence Day to us all. I My suppose. feelings about Meg Ryan have only grown stronger now. I, I love her. adore her, and she was in the Everything is Copy documentary that I watched about Nora Ephron ah, for that story. There you go. And just just has great things to say. I really like Meg Ryan. I she got she got railroaded. She got railroaded. She got yeah. torn apart in a way that like she got punished in a way that none of the men involved in that situation did. It is interesting the double standard that pops up along the way. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Sure. We'll, we'll see you on the flip, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Alicia, you have probably one of the most requested couples that we have ever heard of. You're not, you're not kidding. Often requested, for real. I was able to search for and want to give a big shout out to Vanessa F., Gerald G., Susie C., Jessica S., and Kat A. Those are the ones I could find right? who suggested this story. And y'all are all filthy little trash pandas. I love your trashy hearts. Uh, I knew it was trashy. Hmm. I didn't know how trashy. Hmm. I was this past Wednesday years old when I learned exactly how trashy. I'm gobsmacked. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. Paul McCartney. Wow. He's a June 18th baby okay he's a gemini but just barely because paul is born within the cusp of magic (laughs) and for real paul mccartney there's a mess of information out there on paul mccartney we're here for the trashy divorce paul has dated a bunch he was engaged to his first serious girlfriend named dot roan they meet at the casbah club in 1959 (laughs) just like his uh buddy john lennon 
Paul is also fascinated with Brigitte Bardot. And Paul has Dot coloring her hair too to achieve the effect. And everything's looking like these two end up together. They date for two and a half years. Dot gets pregnant. Wedding plans are happening. Dot miscarries, leaving Paul free of obligation. Next up, Paul is going to date Lady Love Jane Asher. Hmm. Beginning in about 1963, they move in together. They're with each other like five years. Everything's looking like this is the one for Paul. And then, well, Paul has an affair with a 23-year-old American named Francina Schwartz, who has come to London specifically to sell a script to the Beatles. I'm not sure what happened with the script, but Jane Asher, the inspiration for And I Love Her, by 1968, is out. Paul's going to head on down to the ashram. I think this is the last time we saw Paul. We left him on the Trashy Divorces steps in the Dear Prudence episode on Patreon. Okay. Paul was leaving the ashram because the Maharishi was even a little too woo for Paul. Right. But there's this other lady love in the background, already a blonde, bonus points, photographer Linda Eastman. Hmm. She's a September 24th baby. Cusp of beauty. And these cuspers... Paul and Linda are going to fall in love, and they're going to stay that way from their marriage in 1969 to Linda's death from breast cancer in 1998 at the age of 56. Yeah, that was super sad. Super sad. Theirs is a once in a lifetime love affair. She's vegan and loves animals and fights for their rights to be animals and plays in his band Wings and is a photographer and a mom to four kids and... Well done, Paul and Linda, for a happy, well-done marriage oh, yeah, that I, lasts 29 years. Yeah, I read that like they never spent more than one night apart or something in their whole relationship. Like It, it was a remarkable love story. I, when a Gemini and Virgo get on the same page with communication and trust, they are a wonderful couple match. All the halos. Do vegan animal lovers judge carnivores? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> All the halos. And all the tears. Yeah, for sure. Linda passing away. This is actually why we've avoided doing this story, because we just thought it would be too maudlin, because that was such a great love. I hope I I wrapped up the Mm -hmm. charm and love that Paul and Linda had. Because you can imagine, after Linda's passing, Paul is grief-stricken. Totally makes sense. Paul's going to go to therapy to work out some complicated feelings that Come with the death of a much-beloved spouse. Yeah. That makes sense, too. Paul is also going to do things that promote Linda's life work and legacy. Mm -hmm. Of course. Which brings us to the Pride of Britain Awards in 1999, where Paul is presenting an award to an animal rights activist, as well as honoring Linda. And, well, there's another presenter there, Natch. Welcome to your trashy divorce, Paul. Meet Heather Mills. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about Heather. Oops. Capricorn baby. She's born January 12th. And I cannot stress enough on the sun sign reading alone. What a terrible match Gemini and Capricorn is. It is rare to see them together. Like these two are never going to get close enough ever to each other to even hook up. If they do, it's weird. This is not a love match made in the stars. 
Heather is also a wee bit younger than her future groom. It's a 26 year age difference Eek. between our lovers here, but they meet and Dennis Quaid, pay attention. There's something, possibly the blonde thing, maybe the grief thing. Maybe the, uh, I think that you look just like my wife who passed away thing. That's, I think that he was just used to being married and that that was, there was just a hole there that he wanted. So this is a year after mm-hmm. Linda's been past a year and Heather knows like is doing the things like she's a presenter. She's got a legit thing happening. And how do we get Heather to the pride of Britain? Awards. She was a model too, right? Uh, Is that, yeah. Well, there's a lot going on with Heather to hear Heather tell it. Mm. Uh, she was kidnapped as a child, but the girl that she was kidnapped with says it didn't quite happen the way that Heather wrote about in her book that they were kidnapped. Maybe Heather's a little bit of a dreamer, maybe a little bit of an embellisher, Heather. Maybe. Would you say Be. she likes to imagine? <laughs> You were, you were saying. It's easy if you try. <laughs> the sad part of this is that Heather does have a traumatic childhood. Her parents split up, which splits her and her siblings up. Her mom essentially abandons the kids for a boyfriend. Her dad lands in jail. Heather's going to run away. By the time she's a teenager, she's homeless for a long amount of time. The school records that come up for her have every teacher saying she'll amount to nothing. Nobody's predicting a bright future for this child who actually maybe is quite bright. Yeah, but you don't give a good foundation and it's that's a lot to overcome. So Heather will go on to work as a model. Uh, She's taken the gigs she can get. Mm -hmm. She has some lovers too. She'll ask one to marry her, but this guy will only agree if she gets intensive counseling because of all of her lying. Yikes. That's so sad. Or at least an embellisher of what the facts are. This will come into play later. But I guess she does get counseling and this guy marries her like 1989. She suffers two ectopic pregnancies. Yes. And the husband is like, hey, babe, get away, honey, take a break. So she does. And on that break, she begins an affair uh, with the ski instructor. So Heather and hubby number one, divorce, 1991. It's literally a story as old as the hills where you go to ski. By the the time the Croatian war is happening. She got a ticket to ride the ski lift. (laughs) She don't care. Okay, stop. By the time the Croatian war is happening... Heather has set up a refugee crisis center in London. She's dating around again, and it is with this boyfriend in August of 1993 that Heather and her boyfriend are crossing the street, and Heather is hit by a police motorcycle on his way to an emergency call. Heather is going to suffer a lot of injuries, crushed ribs, punctured lung, and the loss of part of her left leg below the knee. That's, wow. Mm-hmm. That's horrific. Okay. So there's lots of surgeries, lots of recovery time, and additional follow-up operations, and eventually a prosthetic leg, which is, this happens, as your leg is healing and you have prosthetics, you go through a few of them 
as your leg is healing. And the idea comes to her like there should be a foundation where prosthetic limbs can be reused and recycled, right? Because it doesn't work for me anymore. It doesn't right. mean it can't work for somebody else, which is a very noble idea. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Heather's going to fund this foundation with the 220,000 pounds that is paid to her by the police department for the accident, as well as the 180,000 pounds she collects for telling her stories to various the outlets, press and sure. outlets. It's a well-funded foundation, doing good works. Awesome. Heather's going to write a book. She's going to appear on the shows, and she's really going to start carving out a name for herself. Unless the name she's carving out is still Heather Mills, but the reputation belongs to someone else. So hang with me here. There is a journalist who works for The Observer named Heather Mills. And when non-journalist reporter Heather Mills, the one we're talking about in this story, goes around and people are like, oh, I've read your stuff in The Observer. She never bothers to correct them. Oh, Oh, so in the so in the public mind, like this observer reporter was hit by a police motorcycle, or like it all fuses into one. It, 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 no, Heather Mills, Paul's future ex-wife, mm-hmm. would like go into interviews because she gets a job like as a TV reporter, and she goes in for this big interview. Wow! And this guy comes in, and he's like, "Hey, nice to meet you. I've seen your stuff. It's really good." And she doesn't correct him. So the guy that is talking to her, his partner knows the, Heather Mills, the, real. the journalist. So he comes back to her that night and like having curry or whatever. And he's like, you didn't tell me that Heather Mills had a prosthetic leg. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? My Heather Mills does not have a Whoa. prosthetic leg. Eek. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting that our it Heather is. Mills perhaps has some, some challenges, some, some opportunities, mm-hmm. yeah, for growth. Like I, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Let's get these kids together. So the award show, they meet. Paul is smitten. Heather's a kitten. Paul writes Heather a big fat check for her foundation, and also agrees to sing backup for a song that Heather and her sister are working on producing for the foundation. It's groovy. I mean, oh. okay. Stop. Let me mention that Heather is also engaged to this dude named Chris Terrell. They've fallen in love and gotten engaged after like 12 days or something. Chris proposes on a fishing boat in Cambodia. The wedding is planned and the wedding's about to happen. It's like six days before the wedding and Heather is on her way to pick up her sister at the airport who's flying in from Greece and instead picks up the phone and calls Chris and says the wedding's off. Chris is like, what? What's what's up? Well, Heather will say that the reason for the broken engagement is that Chris is gay and it could never work. If true, that's probably correct. Well, according to Chris's friends, they're like, that's ridiculous. He is totally a boobs man and all of us know it. So... Chris Terrell will go on to marry award-winning filmmaker Christine Hall and probably better for it. Mm. Oh, there's also something about a peerage or at least Heather Mills at some point as she's dating Paul McCartney, who is Sir Paul. Sir Paul. Heather's like, oh, yeah, I've been put up for a peerage. 
But oddly, nobody can find any of those records. Oddly. I mean, Buckingham Palace <laughs> is so loose with its record keeping. I'm not surprised. Flimsy. They're no Vatican. Shh. She and Paul are hot and heavy. They appear together for the first time, setting off a press frenzy in January 2000 to celebrate Heather's 32nd birthday. Things progress as they do. In July of 2001, Paul is giving Heather a diamond and sapphire engagement ring, 15,000 pounds. Mm. Wedding is on. Also, spoilers, there's no prenup. Sir Paul, we would like a word. (laughs) Now, Paul is no stranger to flack from the press. The press has given him shit for breaking up with Jane Asher. They especially give him shit when he marries Linda in 1969. Like, she's a... American divorcee with a child and she's stealing our beetle. This time the media is a little less acrimonious. Sure, they're calling her a gold digger for the no prenup, but right now they're not uh, going in for blood and circuses quite yet. So where Paul's first wedding to Linda was at the courthouse, tiny little thing, this wedding will not follow the same directive. Right. Heather and Paul will marry in June 2002 in a very elaborate ceremony at Castle Leslie in Ireland. It is an affair. A to-do. A to-do. A soiree. Pomp. Circumstance. Paul and Heather are going to head on over to Red Square in Russia in 2003 to be given a personal tour by everyone's favorite dictator, Vladimir Putin. Hmm. I mean, Paul also plays a concert, so that's cool. It's going great. By 2003, Heather's pregnant. It's a little bit concerning, as other pregnancies have been difficult, but their daughter Beatrice is born in October 2003. Everything should be coming up roses. But apparently, the bloom is off the rose. So the whole fake kidnapping story lands Heather in some hot water. She has to pay 45,000 pounds to the woman that she drags into this thing. Like It's pretty bad. By 2006, after four years of marriage, Paul and Heather announced their amicable split to the world and the press. Hmm. And the press, who has done a fairly admirable job so far of not trashing Heather. Trashes Heather? Ah, yeah. Paul and Heather saying the split's amicable, but give Fleet Street a hot minute. Uh, Because there's no longer any need to protect our beloved beetle. Right. We have found the common enemy. Grieving Sir Paul. Yeah, exactly. I'm guessing this does not go well. So stories start coming out Mm. that Heather worked as a paid escort. Yikes. Is bisexual. Has taken a ton of topless photos. And Paul knows about this part of her history. I was going to say, are these stories true? Or is is this just like... yeah, she did post topless like there's i mean definitely yeah but the thing that paul doesn't know about her history is the uh sex book that she's made in germany in her youth and the book is like a manual on how to have sex with bondage and domination and strawberry syrup which is all fine like get your kink on but people are like This is not an educational sex book. This is probably hardcore porn. (sighs) And Paul is like, 
I didn't know about that, mate. Yeah. So he's knocked off his feet and uh, the gloves really are off. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, I don't judge her for any of that, but you'd want your incredibly famous spouse to maybe know that that was likely to end up finding its way to the light of day. So what should be a nice, quiet divorce mm. is not. Mm. The divorce petition sealed at the courthouse, or at least eight pages of the nastiest allegations, are faxed to key members of the press from a mysterious brunette from a Drury newsstand. No one ever finds out where the leak comes from, but the leaks are coming in these pages. What year was this again? Oh, 2006. This was probably during the phone hacking scan. Like the uh, phone hacking's coming up. I got your favorite thing. Yay. <laughs> the pages coming into the press accuse Sir Paul of being a mean ass drunk, stabbing Heather Mills with a wine glass, uh, being an abuser. And people are like, Sir, Sir Paul? Paul? Yeah. The audience does not want to believe anything nasty. And Paul is like, none of this is true. Heather Mills also is calling the police on the daily. I'm getting death threats. People are trying to break in. Like she calls the police out four times in a day. And the police are like, lady, nothing's happening here. Quit wasting our time. Here's a panic button. Okay. In the divorce, no prenup, Heather's asking for 125 million pounds in the divorce. For a four-year-long marriage? Yep. That's, that's bold. Heather will say Paul is worth more than 800 million, and 125 million is only fair. <laughs> Paul is saying that he only has about 400 million, but typical to what couples do in a divorce, you move assets around, so you're... Giving the least amount that you can. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So the judge that hears this case is like, wowza, Heather Mills, your story is inconsistent and inaccurate and your evidence is less than impressive. You are your own worst enemy. Heather Mills will throw glasses of water in court at the opposing barristers. Mm -hmm. (sighs) She fires. She divorces her initial attorneys and represents herself in court. Yowza. Okay. There is no tamping down the wild accusations that are happening. And all the press that she has given in the four years of her marriage is all, Paul is so dreamy and he's the most wonderful husband. and He brings me breakfast in bed. So after six days of just a bonkers court case that the country cannot get enough of. I'm sure. The judge is like, you lie. Like, The last four years, you've said this. You can't come out and say, he's trying to cut you up with a wine. Like, your stories are inconsistent. Heather Mills will not end up with the 125 million pounds, but she will end up with 24.3 million pounds. Six million pounds a year for the four years you were together. And you get to dine out on your ex-wife, Sir Paul McCartney, for the rest of your life. Seems fair. Yeah, uh, more than fair. Like, I mean, I I get that we're talking about people with, like, money beyond imagining, but still. Also, in the deal, $35,000 a year, along with all nanny and school costs for their daughter. The whole thing's over and done with. By summer 2008, 
Heather Mills McCartney will drop the McCartney and just go back to being Heather Mills. But also peerages are weird because apparently she should still be addressed as Lady McCartney. Interesting. Does she ever like call up Countess Luann to be like, (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) I'm Lady McCartney. It's Lady Heather, Countess. Are you busy? Let's catch everybody up. So Paul McCartney no longer wants to hold her hand. Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) That is true. (laughs) So let's catch everybody up on what happens after the divorce. Heather will continue to reinvent herself time and time again. In 2007, she appears on Dancing with the Stars, which is kind of admirable. She does this dance move that really is impressive. Back in 2019, in the dark ages of 2019, last year. In the before time. Mm -hmm. A court case was finally settled that Heather Mills had been in for like a decade involving the phone hacking scandal Mm. and your favorite thing, Stacey, Murdoch's News of the World. So back in 2011, Heather Mills, I don't know if she was working as her own attorney this time or not, but she has some practice, will accuse the publisher of breach of privacy for cell phone hacking, both on Heather and her sister. Takes almost a decade, takes like nine years to do it, but there's a substantial payout from Murdoch's publishing house and an apology for what that's worth. The cash payout it has not been reported, but needless to say, between that and the 25 mil. Yeah, she's comfortable. Probably fine. Yeah. As of 2019, Heather Mills has a uh, new boy toy. He's a film producer named Mike Dickman. Heather's going to slip him her card with a, I think your hot message on it. And they flirt on this like train ride. I don't know. Good luck, Heather. <sighs> Viacon Diaz. Paul McCartney. Hmm. Whose current net worth is estimated at $1.2 billion, Wow. Is doing just fine. Paul's going to remarry in 2011 in a civil ceremony to a New Yorker named Nancy Shevel. They started dating back in Heather and Paul's separation divorce period, like back in 2007. Nancy's family is loaded. They own a transportation conglomerate. Nancy is 18 years younger than her groom, but they've known each other for the longest time, even before their relationship developed, as they've both owned homes in the Hamptons for years. Maybe you can't get twice lucky in a lifetime, Sir Paul. Honestly, this marriage was so undercover, I had no idea that he was married again. I didn't know he was married again either. No clue. He's been married again for almost a decade almost now. Almost a decade. Well, good for him. The last thread that I can pull on these lovebirds is back in June of this time, of this year, where Paul and Nancy are strolling hand in hand with their masks on in the Hamptons, doing their little shopping. Good for them. Rock on. Seems like everybody has happy endings here. I don't know. I really didn't have any idea that it was this trashy. Thank you for the amazing suggestion. As trash cans go, can we call it 24.3 million? Yes, we can. I'm pretty set on that number. Maybe 6 million trash cans per year. Like That amount of money, like 24.3 million pounds is $48 million. Like yeah. That amount of the money just boggles Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, like, he could have given her a million dollars per year, and it still would have been just a ridiculous amount of money. It, 
to get as a lump sum, you know, like it's 25 million pounds. Have fun. All right. And that, y'all, is the trashy divorce of Sir Paul and Heather Mills. That's, yeah, I, I had no idea. I, I had no idea. I honestly, I didn't follow that. Like when he remarried, my thought was, wow, that's so sad. That's not going to last. <laughs> and then I proceeded to not pay any attention because when I heard they were divorcing, I was like, well, of course, because he is still in love with Linda McCartney and always will be. Yeah. Turns out there were a few more issues in play. It's <laughs> a lot going on. <laughs> hey, y'all. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. You're the very best. It's very true. It is very true. We hope that you keep your hands clean and your heart trashy. At least until next week. Sure. Or come check us out over on the Patreon if you need a little bit more uh, trash candy in the meantime. For sure. We cannot wait to be back with you next week. We have a saga of trashy divorces that y'all have requested from your craven little hearts. And we are excited to be back next Sunday to yes, tell you that story then. And and this Sunday, to be honest. Now you can get back to Hamilton. That's for sure. Do it, do it. Don't throw away your shot to get back to Hamilton. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so listening. much for hitting the pause button on Disney Plus to listen to us. Keep it trashy, friends. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all